is the best of the three best. Wow. Hey, Giant fans, welcome to the Giant Insider Podcast. My name is Jerry Foley. I'm the senior editor of the Giant Insider newspaper. And with me, as always, is the beat writer of the heart of Giants Nation, Vic Truss, woo-woo, Chris Bizignano. All right, guys, here is a treat. Our interview with two-time Super Bowl champion Gary Reasons. All right, everybody, a special treat this week on the Giant Insider Podcast. Once again, we have two-time Super Bowl champion and really creator of, of iconic giant plays in Giants history, Gary Reasons. Thank you so much for joining, Gary. Really appreciate it. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I, I enjoy and enjoy loving talking to Giants fans. Awesome. Gary, how you doing? Chris Bizignano, uh, the beat reporter for the newspaper. How you doing, my man? Chris, you sound like you have a little bit of an accent there. I'm not sure. Where, where's that from? Uh, New York. New York guy. Living in Jersey now, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just I'm here in Texas, and so uh, we have a little bit of a draw down here. So uh, a little bit different type of, uh, dialects, I guess. Well, you're very fortunate, too, Gary, because we just got pounded with like a 14-inch snowstorm, and I'm sure you're enjoying the sun today. I'll probably hit the golf course or something like that later, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be about 70, almost 75 here in North, Te- North Texas today, so it should be a good day for us. And you guys will dig out of this. Don't worry about it. <laughs> good for you, Gary. That's awesome. Um, listen, man, thanks for joining us. Um, wanted to get into it. Um, so, you know, Giant fans know of you. I, I obviously, even the, the newer fans have seen, uh, courtesy of social media, a lot of the plays that you made in Giants history. You were part of two Super Bowl champions. What I wanted to talk about was your basically the draft experience for you, which was probably a lot different than it is now. You came in with one of the, the really the, the one of the best giant drafts in their history with with Banks and Hostetler, uh, Lionel Manuel, William Roberts. Did you know what was that process like first? And then did you know you were going to the Giants? I mean, were there visits? What was that like? Yeah, very very different than it is today for these guys. We didn't have a a, a one central location for an NFL draft experience like they do today. And you know, this year is a little bit different, but. Uh, uh, you know, back then we, we actually had multiple locations that we would go to for draft combines. There were actually two combines back then. Anyway, I went through a couple of those and I, I really didn't know that the Giants were really heavy on, on me as far as selecting me in the, in the draft. Uh, I heard some, you know, obviously you, they don't, they don't show their cards, you know, they're, they're not, they're not going to let you know who's going to, who's trying to pick you or, or, or find you to fill a hole or a need. Um, but, you know, our group, and I, I'm really proud of, uh, of our guys that were selected in the 84 draft, and I look back at it as I'm not sure there's, there's a draft that actually matches up to what, what we got out of that draft as yeah. far as putting pieces in place to create a, a nucleus of some, of some talented guys to come together and plus some of the guys that were already there to, to start shaping uh, a team that would last together for four, five, six years uh, that created a great nucleus of, of talent and growing together under, under Parcells' system to, uh, you know, to be successful. And, and that's kind of what happened. I think that was the, the start of what Bill Parcells was, was creating there. Gary, you, you have a fourth-round pick, double-A school, and now you are drafted to a team that has Harry Carson and Lawrence Taylor in the locker room. 
Talk about the first time, Gary, that you walked in that locker room and you see these two guys and maybe give us your first impression of the first time you met Bill Parcells, too. Yeah, well, you know, the, the Giants linebackers were, you know, pretty well tendered. You know, you had, you had Van Pelt, you had Brian Kelly, in addition to Harry Carson and Lawrence Taylor. Um, and, you know, it turned out that uh, Parcells was looking to make a move with, with Brad and, and Brian. And, you know, here, here comes Gary Reasons through the door as a, as a fourth-round inside linebacker. Um, you know, and, you know, he's expecting me to step in and step in and fill some shoes. Well, playing with Harry and, 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 and Lawrence is uh, looking at two of the greatest players of all time on the defensive side of the ball. And Lawrence, right. I, I hold him up in there as the greatest defensive player of all time. Yeah. Um, Harry right. can easily be, be remarked as one of the, if not one of the top two or three best inside linebackers of all time. So, you know, I, I had uh, a lot of uh, – <laughs> ability to just walk around and play, just follow these guys and watch what they do and make sure I didn't screw up. Um, and, and, and it all worked out pretty good, but I, great memories. My, my first year in, in 1984 at the Giants minicamp, you know, we, we, we could we practice with the vets back then and they, you know, they were there and, and, and it was just, just an awesome experience. Um, you know, and you had to earn your stripes a little bit. I, I, what I mean by that is when you go out on the field, you have to play and you had to play to a level to get these guys respect. Uh, Carl and I, um, when we came in together, uh, I think we did earn that. We had a very physical, tough um, um, rookie training camp. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I have a lot of respect for Carl, and, you know, they tried to kill him. <laughs> they literally tried to kill him in training camp because uh, they put him through so many things, being the first-round draft pick that he was, and, and just, you know, trying to run him through the mill of, of different, different things. And it was a very, very physical process that he went through and, and he, he came through it uh, tremendously. You know, you know, I had my own, my own challenges as well, but uh, uh, what we went through and what we wound up building was a nucleus for a defense that lasted for, for a good long time. Yeah. I, I was actually going to get to that. So you replaced Van Pelt and Kelly. Um, you did have to earn it. Cause I think McLaughlin was the starter for at least the start of that season. And then I, I if I remember correctly, you came in, and I don't know how many games you started as a rookie, but it seemed like you came in maybe game six or seven. Were you, how, how did they accept you? Like, how did, how did Banks and, and, I'm sorry, how did Carson and Taylor accept you guys? Well, you know, it, it's tough luck. You know, you got you to produce. And I think that was the same for Carl and I, both of us. You know, we, we both had to produce and, and understand and make sure we didn't screw up, do our jobs. And that's kind of what a Belichick and Parcells defense was, was, you know, you fill your job, don't do too much, don't overstep things. And, and make sure you, you take care of the next guy. Because that's how our defense was slated to work. And you know, you're right. I, I didn't get. I didn't start immediately uh, my rookie season. Carl and I didn't start the first five games. So, but we were quick off the bench, so to speak, uh, after the start of the games. So we both started our first game against Atlanta in 1984, um, and that was the first time that Parcells chose to, to start us. And we did so for, you know, several years beyond that. So that's the, the first inkling of, of us coming together as starters in the, in the, in the league, and, uh, and that was the time. Gary, I had 11 starts that, that rookie year, and then 15, and then you started 16 the Super Bowl year. You know, a lot of people don't, you know, they don't really realize this about, you had 10 career interceptions, you had nine fumble recoveries. You always had that knack being around the ball what was the key to that Gary what was the reason for that 
You know, I, I think that uh, I studied really, really hard. I mean, I, I did a lot of film prep. I, I wanted to know my opponent. I wanted to know how to be placed smarter instead of harder. And so I always look for clues. And I, clues are things that will take you to where you need to go faster. So, for instance, you know, a quarterback, before he throws the ball, so a lot of them have a tell. You know, the tell could be basically uh, right-handed quarterback dropping back in the pocket. As soon as his left hand comes off the ball, that means that it's about to be thrown. Hmm. Well, you know, that, that's a, a split-second type of a thing. Or in Russell Wilson's case, a current quarterback today, he taps the ball two times on the bottom of the ball before he throws. Right. So just right. what did you see Russell today? That's a tell that I would pick up. And I knew that would give me a little trigger, a little quick move. You'd be able to go do something. And it's the same thing in all facets of the game. You're trying to find those little nuggets that you could learn from and, and make you a, a quicker, faster, better, smarter player and, uh, and take that to your advantage. You know, I, you know, I wasn't the greatest athlete. I'm a good athlete, but I, I wasn't the greatest of all great athletes. But um, I learned enough and I had enough athleticism to – to really be around the wall and be 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 impactful, you know, when when when, when opportunity arrives. I was a, I was an all-state tight end in high school, you know, just great. I had pretty good hands. I wouldn't say great, but good hands. Right. And I always worked on catching the football every single day. And whenever the ball was around me, I never I never dropped a I never dropped an inter, opportunity to make an interception. And any fumble that ball that was on the ground near me in a fumble situation, I recovered 100% of them because right. I, I, there's some techniques that you have to do to you do those things. And, and I, and I, and I was able to do it. Yeah. You had an interception, I think in that first game in Atlanta, if I recall um, that season, the 84 season, did you get a sense that look at 83, you weren't there, but there were a lot of injuries. It was a three twelve in one year. Did you get the sense that, you know, this could be a playoff team and that you guys were kind of turning it around and, and frankly, that the, the draft place, you know, that, that you said was, look, this is one of the best ones you put up against anyone in the, in the history of the team. Did you get a sense that you guys started to turn it around in 84? And, and if so, when was that? Like, what was there a particular game or, or a moment? You know, for us as the rookie guys coming in, we weren't privy to history. We weren't privy to the past, yeah. the, uh, the, the poor seasons. The, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that was all brought forward by fans, by former pl- other players on the team. You know, they had that, le- that, that baggage. Carl, Lionel, myself, William, Jeff, yeah. uh, we, we, we didn't have that, 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 that uh, thought process. Our job was to be as good and help our team and move forward. And I think we pushed that way with, with what we did on the field. So I, I never looked backward. I know the history of the Giants, but I, I, never, I, I never felt that, 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 you know, that legacy of, of poor play yeah. uh, that had preceded us. And so, we, you know, we continued to just improve. And 84 was just that. We got into the playoffs. Nobody expected us really to kind of make that because of what the Giants had done previously. But we didn't know any of that history, and we didn't let it bother us. So we got to the second round of the playoffs, lost to, lost to the 49ers out in, in Candlestick. But, but that was a, a great experience as well, and it gave us a chance to continue to grow as a team. And over the next couple of years, we, we, we kind of tuned it in. Gary, talk about that 85 loss to the Bears. Um, tough battle, windy day and all that. Did you, Gary, did you kind of leave the field that day maybe saying, hey, we could have went in here. I know they were favorite and the whole defense, the whole act they had going in Chicago. But when you left the field that day, Gary, did you kind of feel like, hey, we could have went in here and stole one? And, you know, it wouldn't have been a steal for us to go in there and win. I wouldn't call it a steal. 
okay. we had unforced errors on our side of the ball that uh, yeah. that caused us to give them an opportunity to win. If you look early in the ball game, windy day, we're, we're back to punt, and I'm the up back on the fullback on the punt team, and Landetta drops the ball, and you guys remember it well. The wind blows the ball off his foot. You know, I'm yep. literally running down the field, and I hear the crowd roar, but I don't see the ball. I have to turn around, and I see uh, one of the Bears pick it up and scoop it up, and you know, I'm like, oh, my God. So I talked to Landetta. I said, what the hell happened? He goes, well, <laughs> I dropped the ball, and, 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 I, and, I, and I kicked it, and, and I missed it. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? It, I, I didn't know. I didn't see the play until the replay after the game, and literally the ball moved off his foot as he swung his leg. And yeah. We all know that, you know, that was one of the early in the ball game, and you know, we had some other setbacks as well that uh, just, just didn't go our way. Hey, Gary, just a quick story on that. Pretty funny. Um, I meet Landetta years, i say about 10 years ago, down in Cape May, New Jersey. And I ask him, you know, we're talking on the side. I ask him, Sean, what happened with that play? Your, your part is, this is why I'm bringing this up. So Landetta goes, it was the funniest thing. He goes, I started unloading the ball, and all of a sudden, like a little gust of wind knocked it off my foot. I, I nicked it, you know? And I go, I don't think the Giants realized you missed that. You know the first thing he said to me, uh, Gary? He goes, yeah, I know. Reasons came back and yelled at me. Hey, what the F are you doing? <laughs> so that's funny. I didn't think about that. On my watch as the fullback of the punt team, you know, we yeah. never had a punt block except for that. It wasn't a block, but that was right. a, a miscue. We never had a punt block. Landetta will tell you till this day that I was his guy. I protected him and, and uh, ran our, our punt team flawlessly, uh, you know, for years. And, you know, that's something that's a, that, that you can take as, as, a, as, a, as a given. You know, when we were going to snap a ball and punt it, Sean was a great punter, and, and we weren't going to get anything blocked because uh, I had the protection shored up and did some unique things back there to, to make sure that didn't happen. So, 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 Gary, staying in 85, like you said, the year before you lost to the Niners uh, in the playoffs, and a lot of fans didn't expect you. You know, I, I think you got in at 9-7, and seven, you beat the Rams, which was a bit of an upset, and then you played the 49ers tough. And, and earlier in the season, you had gotten beat by them pretty soundly on Monday Night Football. So when you played them in 85 – you know, what was your thought process? Was it like, you know, we could take these guys, you had them at home, they were the Super Bowl champions. Like, what, what was your, what were you thinking going into that game? I'll, I'll give you a little memory, though, of the 1985 playoffs against the, uh, or 84 season playoffs that, yeah. uh, against the 49ers. In that ball game, guess what I had? A one-handed, a one-handed interception, I thought, right? I had two. Oh, nice, okay. <laughs> In the same game. So, I mean, I'm thinking, hey, man, I'm doing my part. Let's win this sucker, right? Yeah. It just didn't happen. It, that, was their, that was their year. But, uh, you know, 85, you know, we, we had a, a good football team, building in a nucleus of a great football team, as we saw the next year, going 14-2. and two. So, yeah, we, we had all the pieces there. It's just you had to have things fall the right way. Remember, guys, we played a brand of offensive football that was pound the ball, don't make mistakes, don't rely on the passing game. And we relied more on the play-action passing game than anything and, and just play great defense and field position. You know, and, and I was telling some guys yesterday that uh, this has kind of been long gone in the NFL, it seems like. It's okay to punt in the NFL. Right, right. You know, you're trying to think you're going to score on every possession these days, but in reality, if you don't turn the ball over, if you don't give it, give it away unnecessarily, and you punt the ball, you've got a chance to win. And it's still true today. So it's better to punt than it is to turn, have a turnover, yeah. uh, certainly. Gary, I, 
talked to Carl Banks a few times about you guys, you know, especially the 86 team. And he always mentioned to me, I said, what made you guys so good? Obviously, you were talented, the whole linebacking group. and We know that. But he always mentions to me about how you guys clicked. Gary, talk about that. How me about you guys all each other's job. Talk about that a little bit, Gary. Well, it, it comes down to uh, preparation. You know how we prepared. We prepared to do certain things. Our game plans were were not very deep or difficult. You know, you got to be physical. You got to fit where you're supposed to fit defensively in a three-four scheme. You've got to fit to where you need to be. Don't try to do something too much outside of the scheme. Otherwise, it's going to wreck what's happening. And so we, we had a very fundamentally sound defense. And, you know, we could play cover two, cover three. We call stack, stack cover two or three. And, you know, that's our base defense. And we, we could play that with anybody at any down. And right. we felt good that we could stop them doing that because we had confidence in our, in our techniques individually. You know, and so everybody who played next to each other, you know, over two, three, four, five years together, you have the ability to kind of know what the guys are going to do and, and, and have confidence that you don't have to do anything outside of your norm because you know that your buddy next to you is doing the same thing. It's okay that I don't make the tackle, but it's, it's not okay if I go and try to run around behind the nose tackle and leave a gaping hole in front of my guard, the guard that was in front of me, uh, where the running back can cut back through there uh, without with ease. That, that's not a good thing. So that playing with, with a, a discipline is really how we played. And Belichick did a great job of preaching that to us. Do your job. Do your job. Parcells, do your job. Do your job. Hmm. And that, it, it, it's nothing more than that. But buying into it and understanding you have guys that rely on you to be able to do that and execute that, that was the foundation of what we were. Right. And, Jerry, just for a second, I'd like to follow on a second. Jer- yeah. uh, Gary, talk about Belichick. Um, what was it like playing for him? Um, talk about his game plans. And did you, when you you know played for him back in the 80s, did you envision him being this good of a head coach down the road? You know, Bill, Bill's Bill. Bill comes to work every single day, the same thing every, every day. You're not going to get a different Bill Belichick because he understood one thing, that you have to prepare to win. You have to put a plan together. You've got to execute the plan. And you've got to be prepared for contingencies. And so all of those things were in any uh, Bill Belichick or, or, or Bill Parcells game plan for us in any single week, offensively or defensively. You have to have those, those things done. You know, Belichick's not surprising to me that he's had success um, over the years you know, with his teams because he's right. demanding. And, and he's had an ownership that has given him kind of free reign of personnel and teaching guys. And it really, it's tough luck. You know, the, the, you know, you can't love, you can't, you can't hold back your team because of any one guy. You, it may be a tough situation where you got to make a decision to move on from somebody or take him out of a certain situation, but it may not fit well with that player who may be a superstar or, or he may be just not the right fit for that situation. And sometimes it's really tough for, 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 for players to say, Hey, it's, you're better off on, on the sideline this play. I'm going to put so-and-so out there. And that's not right. an easy thing for players to understand, but it's the better, it's for the betterment of the team. And, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of that with, with Bill's teams over the years. And uh, he's not any different um, than when he was with us in the eighties and early nineties. It, it, he's the same guy. So, so 86, Gary, you, five and two at one point, then you took a nine game winning streak into the playoffs. At what point in 86 did you think 
were this were the team to beat? I, or did you did you ever think that? Uh, I thought that we were the team to beat when we got on the plane <laughs> in Chicago, uh, literally, because you know we had the makings of a Super Bowl championship team there in Chicago. Uh, as I told you guys before, that you know a couple of mishaps in that ball game didn't go our way. Um, you know, there, there's there's discipline, and you know, and, and Chicago didn't screw it up on their side. So I thought that we had the makings of what would be a Super Bowl championship team right then. You know, and then we were able to bring in a few pieces uh, in the '86 season. You know, like an Eric Howard and Pepper Johnson and, yeah. and, and guys like that, that that really helped our our defense. And turned up, turned it up a notch even even more. You talk about guys like Mark Collins. You know, those are those are things that just added to the to the to the to the excellence of what our defense was. And boy, you know, there was there was no stopping us then. So we we had uh, a, you know a lot of a lot of pieces in place. And then when you're able to add some really quality players like that, it, it just accentuated us and, and and kind of helped us along the way. Talk about that feeling, Gary. You're a football guy, man, from Texas, the whole deal. It's in your blood your whole life. You go to 86, you play Elway in the Broncos. You dominate the whole second half. You win big. What was that feeling like, Gary, man? I mean, the final buzzer goes off, and you are now a Super Bowl champion. Talk about that a little bit. Well, everybody in the NFL starts the season the same way, and that is you want to be a Super Bowl champion, okay? You know, that's the goal of everybody. But let's face it. You know, it's, it's, it's super, super, super hard to get there. You know, just, just getting there means that you've run the gauntlet of the 16-game NFL season. You've gotten through the playoffs, and you've earned your right to get into the Super Bowl. So everybody really, their goal is to get to the Super Bowl. So, so for Giants fans and our, on our team, I was more elated about the NFC Championship game in, in, in early 87 against hmm. the Redskins when we had to defeat them three times. And we did so in, in convincing fashion in a wonderful environment in Giant Stadium in 1987. And it was it was electric. You guys, if you were there, you, you know what I'm talking about. I was about. there. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. The, the stands were, you know, just amazing. I mean, the confetti flying through the air. It was You could literally cut the, the, the uh, use a knife to cut, <laughs> cut it up. Oh, because it was, it was tangible. You could feel the, the electric in the air. And, and the, the euphoria... The euphoria that we all experienced as players and together with the fans was, to me, the most awe-inspiring feeling that I've ever experienced as a football player because, you know, not only did we share it, but we shared it with the players, the fans in the stands, and I know the, the millions of, of Giants mm-hmm. fans watching all across, uh, you know, the country yep. that, you know, we're going to the Super Bowl. And guess what? Then we put a game plan in place and we executed that that, that, that uh uh, that game plan to perfection and won that Super Bowl championship. So my, my biggest takeaway of the football winning experience, getting to the Super Bowl and that the, the NFC championship win was really the best memory I've had as a football player. Hmm. Winning the Super Bowl once not and twice, it's really just a function of execution, and we did that a couple of times. And I got a couple of rings to show for it. <laughs> nice. Um, in between the, the two Super Bowls, Gary, uh, we've spoken to Pepper Johnson, Mark Collins, Phil McConkey, Otis Anderson. They, they've all looked at that 89 season and they thought that was the mm-hmm. one that got away. Do you? Yeah. And, and, and we'll get to some of the plays in 89 that, that you were a part of. But do you think that's the one? Do you feel the same way as they do that that's the one that got away from you guys? 
you know, you know, they weren't there in '85. <laughs> oh, nice. There you go. <laughs> uh, I, 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 think that, I think that that one easily got away from us. Um, That's interesting. You know, we, that take. Yeah. Yeah, we we could have had a had a string of Super Bowl victories '85, '86 if the strike had not occurred in '87, where we went 0 and 4 because of the replacement team. Yeah. You know, we we certainly had all the pieces in place there to to make another run. But you know, injuries and things got derailed there, and you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna belabor the point. You know, and then we you know we shot ourselves in the foot a few times in '88. Wasn't the best year. '89, yeah. Hey, we had a, we had a great makings of a team, you know, because the younger guys that were coming onto the team were really impactful, and um, you know, we we had an opportunity then. But you know what? It didn't turn out. Didn't go our way. So Gary, look, when people found out that. 55 is going to be on um, right away. People are texting me, uh, people on Twitter. Hey, you got to ask reasons about the hit, the hit, the hit. Of, of course we are. So, Gary, let's get into it a little bit. 89 games, snowy Denver, the hit on Bobby Humphrey. Talk about what led up to it. And, Gary, you know, the play, <clears throat> second, third, and fourth down, they obviously run the ball. But a lot of people forget, Gary, that on the third down play, okay, you – and Diasi, with the big hit, stopping him on the one-yard line there. A lot of people forget about that. But obviously, people want to hear about the hit. So, Gary, talk about what you saw a little bit formation-wise that you knew they were going to run it, how you led into Bobby Humphrey knocking his mouthpiece out, the biggest, an unbelievable hit. And part two of that, of this, Gary, is were you a little surprised they kept trying to run the ball down your throats in that series? Well... Denver had a really good football team. There's no doubt about that. And John Elway obviously uh, uh, orchestrated a lot of that with them. Uh, and they had a good drive going there. That was the time when we, in, in the season, we needed to get that win to have any chance of getting playoffs. So here they are late in the game, and they're driving on us. And, you know, a few plays lap that drive. I made a bunch of tackles. It's fun. It's interesting. I. <laughs> You know, uh, you look back at the game tape and, and, and Madden and Summerall, they're yeah. calling my name, making tackles all over the place here, yeah. right? So, um, but lo and behold, they come down to inside the five-yard line and they're trying to bang it in on us. And you're right, you know, I, on third down, I, I I was in there on the tackle on the, on the low side. Yeah, and, yeah. And Steve might have been on top. And uh, whatever the case may be, we're, 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 we're hammering it in there. Um, and then they go on fourth down. And I know the formation, and I know what they can do in that formation. And if and I know that if, if Elway turns out this way, this is going to be the play. All those things happened, and it's just all recollection of what I've seen on tape and just an affirmation of what my, my job is to go do. And so it all happened. So, you know, just it, it unfolded. So as soon as he snapped the ball, the ball was snapped, and he turned out, I knew exactly where to go. So I stepped through it and, you know, launched myself and uh, – you know, I, I had a pretty good hang time, I think, around then, so it's not, not bad. And, and I, I got to, got to Bobby before he got out of his tracks, and you saw the result. You know, a, a, a hit that was, uh, you know, seen by almost all Giants fans. It was a snowy snowy weekend back in, in, in the Northeast, so everybody was home, and they all watched it, and, um, you know, it helped us win the ball game. And you know, knocking the guy's uh, ear pad out of his helmet, and he caught caught on on on, on the image of it is uh, you know you know well well documented. Jerry Pincus, uh, the Giants uh, team photographer, took that shot, and it was the it became the uh, the yearbook uh, 
picture yep. the next year, the 1990 season, right. and you know Jerry won an award for that photograph yep. <laughs> um, in the uh, in the NFL. So you know all those things are great, and, and it, it gave me a lot of fanfare for for several weeks after that. And, and here we are today, 30 years later, um, talking about that play like it was yesterday. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. literally. So just think of all the Giants fans. Anytime I'm, I'm in the Northeast and around and I'm talking to Giants fans, they talk about the fake punt. They talk about the, this this big hit with me. And you know what, guys? I, I love to talk about it, and, and it's fun to talk with Giants fans because I relive these memories just like they do right. as a fan. Uh, and it's it's enjoyable to me, and I like to see the smiles come on people's faces when they start thinking about these things. And you know, getting a couple of championships in our in our in our run there with the team uh, was really pretty special. And uh, you know, these you know having a chance to visit with you guys and re- recap some of these these stories, I, I love to do it. And it, but it's uh, it's one of those things that you, you, you hopefully you're going to create a legacy that uh, a lot of people remember for a long time. Well, that you have done, Gary. <laughs> that is guaranteed. Um, you have created a legacy, and no question, when people. You know, they talk about Gary Reed's. You know, I, I've been around, you know, since the 70s and stuff. And, you know, I was a season ticket holder. And when people talk about Gary Reed's, you know, first thing that comes to people's mind, hard-nosed, really smart, and all that. And, of course, that hit. Gary, when you meet, when people recognize you maybe at home in Texas or when you come, I don't know if you come to the East Coast a lot, but do people still come up to you and go, hey, I remember that hit in Humphrey. That was incredible. Always. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's that. pretty yeah. common. You know, if I flip down a car, I flip down a, a, a credit card uh, <laughs> for, for dinner somewhere, and right. you know, you know, I'm pretty nondescript. I'm not, you know, I'm not wearing uniform or helmet or anything like that. Reasons, Gary, you're the giant, giant linebacker. I, I, I remember you. I, hey, hey that, <laughs> that, that goal line play in Denver. Oh my God, <laughs> that that's kind of the conversation. <laughs> nice. That, that's what happens. Yeah, I, I, I guess the, the best sign of, I guess, affection, Gary, is that somebody on one of the um, the giant websites has a name, Bobby Humphrey's Earpad. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty, that's obscure to somebody who's not a giant. I didn't even fan. know that. I didn't see Oh, uh, yeah, okay, I see ahead. it. It's on one of the one of the sites. It's hilarious. Uh, Bobby Humphrey's Earpad. I'm like, wow, that is that is devotion to somebody and, and affection. Well, well, you know, I, I, you know, I, could, I think there might be a T-shirt. There's been a sighting of Bobby Humphrey's ear pad. Nice, that's great. <laughs> um, real quick, the, uh, the the fake punt. That's the other play, right? I mean, there's if there's two plays that really define your your giant career, it's the hit in Denver, the fake punt. I guess first, did you have the autonomy to call it? And then I've always wondered. Why were you pointing? Were you pointing for your blocker, or were you pointing at the return man and, and John Taylor? I was just curious. Well, let me tell you a little, give a little context to it here. So, okay. you know, the fake punt, we, we have run that same fake punt several couple of years back, um, and I've been successful, got a first down on it. Didn't get big yardage, but got a first down. So, anyway, so, that you know, you go into the, to this NFC Championship game, and uh, it's uh, it's something that, you you know, we, we've worked on and it's been in our arsenal, the fake punt, and we knew – that the 49ers, how they would deploy typically on a punt return. And I knew that going into the game, that if, if they use the same type of uh, punt return formation, that we would have the opportunity to run that fake punt if needed. So early in the ball game, now I'm always one of those guys, I'm after our first punt, checking out the, the, uh, the alignment of, of them. And sure enough, they're doing the exact same thing that they've been doing all season long 
And so that set this up for if we needed it, I could, I could, I could use it. So, you know, first punt off, off the field, I run by Parcells. Bill, it's there if we need it. And you know, he just kind of, you know, mentally took a, take a note of that. Uh, you know, and so obviously, you know, late in the game there, there's a situation where we possibly could use this thing. I'm running on the field, and he just says, Gary, use it if it's there. So uh, I go out there, and here, sure enough, we're, we're, we're in great territory here because they're doing the same thing. And one better is that, that where I'm supposed to run the fake, there's a player that was on the sideline. They only had 10 players on the field. And so there was going to be a gaping hole there regardless if it was blocked right. There was actually, when I, I audible to the, I audible to it, and it was my discretion to audible to it at the line of scrimmage. Not everybody got the call, unfortunately, but that's okay. It worked out. So that, that, was, uh, that was part of it. And so I just ran right through there. And as, as I'm running, you know, I'm thinking, man, you know, I'm, I'm motoring here pretty good. And there's John Taylor. <laughs> I'm pointing to him like, hey, I'm thinking that one of my guys is going to go block this guy and block him. And, uh, you know, I was, I was, I outran everybody then, so I didn't do that. So, and here's my story John Taylor is absolutely the best open field tackler in NFL history. <laughs> so that's, that's my story. He cut me out like a, like, like he was a, well, he did it all his whole career, but he was a wide receiver. So, Anyway, so it, it was well, a you, great memory, great time for us, propelled us for a field goal and went on to win that game, and you know, the rest is history, guys. So, Gary, basically the 49ers had 10 guys on the field, right, yep. you're saying? And that was your yep. call. So that didn't come from the sideline. That was your call. Yeah, yeah, we're out there to punt the football. I audible that line of scrimmage. Wow. And, Prepar- and that's that's yeah. preparation, baby. i tell you what, Gary. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jerry. i I tell you what, Gary. Finding out that's your audible, you did it in that situation. You talk about, well, I'm going to say, you talk about balls. Brother, you had them, man. Because if that didn't work, well, I, mean, I can imagine. Go ahead. You kind of, yeah, you kind of put the weight of our of our team, our season, Giants fans everywhere on your on your shoulders. And if it didn't work out, you, know, you got egg on your face. But uh, wow. too many things were in our favor there, and I, I made the right call, executed it. And that's the thing, guys. You got – you got to make a call. Sometimes you don't execute, you know, and it happens. But um, in that situation, it was set up for us to, to succeed, and I executed it. And the guy, some of the guys got the call and blocked the right thing. But uh, regardless, the guy that needed to do it was was it was the it was the center, okay? And so he snapped the ball to me correctly, uh, <laughs> and uh, got got that going, and it, and it worked that well. So close uh, to I- our our punt team, it worked out. I tell you what, um, and you're listening to uh, Chris Bizignano and Jerry Foley on the Giant Insider podcast with special guest, two-time champion Gary Reasons. I tell you what, Gary, I don't know if I would have had the you-know-what, the call at there. Unbelievable call by you. Um, and obviously that led to history, um, you know, going to the 90 Super Bowl and all that. I guess we'll get to the 90 Super Bowl quick, Gary. Um, I know we're going to wrap it up pretty soon. you got to go. But, um, hey, um, talk about the game plan against the Bills. In 90, Belichick comes in, tells you we're going to let Thurman Thomas run for 100 yards. Carl Banks is mad at him for days. Talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, it's kind of pick your poison. Um, what do you want to have happen in the game? Um, you know, uh, do we want to be in a defensive mode of trying to defend their passing game uh, and that, t- that tearing us up just to have the pride of, 
the Buffalo Bills running back Thurman Thomas doesn't get 100 yards, you know, you know, we, you know, we were prideful defense, and we built ourselves on stopping the run first. That's the, that was the mantra always of our Giants defense was stopping the run first. And we were very successful at it. Um, and so we knew that if they couldn't get things going in the, uh, uh, in the running game, most teams relied on play-action pass back then, and that, all, that, that was all set up by, by running game. And if they weren't successful to run, they couldn't pass. So most teams did not have the spread of the receiver capability that the Bills possessed with their guys. So they had a great receiving core. So we had to pick our poison of what do we want to possibly give up or, or allow them more than one or the other. And, you know, and it's a kind of a coin toss or a flip there. And, right. and the way Bill called the game, uh, it, it worked out to our advantage to where, you know, they were – we were giving up a little bit, a little bit on the run game with, with smaller guys and guys that spread out a little bit up front where um, the run game was there. And so their, their coordinator is going to audible or call down to the, you know, play call to, to get Thurman the ball a little bit. And just, we rallied to make tackles. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And it was a roll of the dice on, on, on Belichick's part about how to defend this team because other teams hadn't been successful against them. They, you know, the, the bills were, were a, were a historic team yeah. in, in that era. You know, four Super Bowls successfully at the AFC champions, and just unfortunately didn't win a Super Bowl, but they were very, very talented. And, you know, it was just one of those things where we probably had a little better shot of beating them with sound defense and, and taking care of make sure we don't get beat on a big over-the-top over passing game instead of the running game. Make them run it really, really well um, to beat us and – it worked out just enough, as you guys know. Gary, before we, we do a, like to do a word association game, um, kind of to, to finish this up. But before I get to that, uh, of all the teams in the NFC East, who was the biggest rivalry for you and why? The largest rivalry? Um, I mean, they're all rivals. Yeah. I can't say one or the other back then were rivals. But, you know, the Redskins at the time, now the Washington football team. Right. Um, you know, they were on top of their game. The Cowboys, unfortunately, I grew up a Cowboy fan, you know, but they, they were not um, a, a very, you know, well-balanced team back then. They were having quarterback issues and yeah. so forth. We saw the, you know, the end of Tony Dorsett's era in his career and so forth. So they were going through some transition time. Um, the Eagles, you know, they, they gave us fits. They yeah. gave us uh, really some difficult ball games back then. Um you know, I, I would say the most competitive games were, were against the Eagles and the and the and Washington in the, in those times. Who did you? I mean, look, the, the reality is you you can't help but probably despise one of those teams. Which one did you have more of a hatred for, or do you try not to do that? I I, I don't. I, I, there's no hatred whatsoever. It's competitive. Okay. So Fair you know, I, I I look at it as a competitive nature. You know, I, there's nobody out on the field, football field, that I ever use that word hatred yep. about. And, you know, a team, as a player, as you know, anything. That, that's just out of completely out of it. It's it's competition. Yep. Fun competition when you're doing it right. There you go. <laughs> and uh, you know, mostly we've had all that. All right, Gary. With a little word association. Just tell us the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? When we ask. Uh... Are you ready? Uh, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll try my best. 
Okay. Bill Parcells. Uh, genius. NFC East. Tough. John Elway. Amazing. Lawrence Taylor. Best. Bill Belichick. Um, uh, boy, right, you know, Gary. That, 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 there, there's a, you know, you almost stumped the guesser here because that's a. Uh, when, when, when you tell me Bill Belichick, I mean, I could use a lot of things, but uh, uh, I, I will say respect. I will go a few more. Um, Giants fans. Love. Joe Montana. Awesome. All right, one more. Bobby Humphrey. Sorry. <laughs> yes, nice. That's great. That's great, Gary. Awesome. Gary, do Sorry you... about that one, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Gary, a few things. Um, first of all, congratulations for making the College Hall of Fame back in the 90s, okay? Um, and do you follow the Giants closely these days? Uh, and if you do, what do you think about the new head coach, Gary? Well, I, I do follow the Giants, uh, albeit it's from afar. Um, you know, I, I'm still I still broadcast college football, and I've been in television for 20, 27 years. I, you and know, you're I a head coach too. Yeah, I've been a I've been in television for for a long time, and been able to be a part of this game for fifty years. And I, it, it's just just a blessing, and you know. And so, I sure I have a a really really warm spot for the New York Football Giants. Love them to death. I uh, want them to be successful. Um, so what I've seen over with, with Joe Judge over the last year, um, I, I like everything about what I'm what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing and and how he's acting. Um, you know, he he's he's kind of a hard nosed uh, type of a coach, much like a Parcells, much like a Belichick, no nonsense kind of guy. Same time, yeah, I think he's got uh, I think he's got really good football IQ. He's uh, he's he's a student of the game and and uh, you know the thing that that you know, unfortunately, that, that Joe hasn't done is, you know, he hasn't been a demonstrative winner as a leader. Does that make sense as, as, a, as a head coach? Right. But I think he's got the makings of that. Um, and, you know, I think they showed the Giants, they showed some resiliency here towards the, the, the end of the year of what they could be. And, uh, you know, hopefully Daniel gets completely healthy and Saquon gets back. And I love those two pieces of the offense. And I think the defense really shined late this year. Yeah. And I think that if they keep that nucleus together of the front seven, you know, pieces there, you get a really, really good shot of, uh, of making a really deep run next year. Uh, if everything goes, goes to that, I, that I see it and, uh, you know, just get, get a couple of pieces in there that will help the team and let it grow. And I, I think that Joe's got the right leadership there uh, with him and his staff to, to make that happen. Okay. Gary, what do you think? Excuse me, Jay. One, one quick one, Gary. What do you what do you think of Daniel Jones? Um, I think he's got a really good skill set. Okay, so he, you know, there's a there's a timing thing that Brady knows, Breeze knows, those types of long tenured quarterbacks, all those guys that uh, have played a long time, they have that timing in their head. It's down to, it comes down to that knack of when and how to deliver the ball and get get rid of it and. Don't don't take sacks. Don't take unnecessary negative plays. Don't throw into bad situations. But that knowledge of it, 
So you can't you, – there's no way for a young quarterback one year, two years in the league to, to amass all of that knowledge. But I think Daniel has now gone through enough of that. And obviously, you know, he watched the, one, of the, one of the greatest quarterbacks in Giants history and Eli play. He, he knows what goes into making that. So I think that he's on pace to really do some good things. And he's just got to have that timing, that timing to release that football and don't, don't make a bad play. The good thing about Daniel is his ability to improvise and run, and he could probably do that a little more than he's been doing it. Right. But I, I think he's got great running skills, and it's you know it's kind of improv. And those are the things like you know Mahomes doesn't doesn't run that much, but when he does, it's very effective. Same kind of thing is what I think we'll need to see from Daniel Jones as he progresses. He's got to win a few series and a few da- extra downs for his team with his feet. I'm not trying to get him hurt or anything, but smart runs and, uh, right. and get, the, and get him, uh, you know, where he uses his athleticism uh, ahead. He's got that ability. Gary, yeah. Gary, he, he really does. Um, I told Jerry, cause you know, I'm at, I'm at camp every day. And I told Jerry last year, I said, Jerry, you're not gonna believe how fast this kid is. Hmm. Right. And Gary, you got a little taste of that, right. In that Eagle game when he ran 80 yards. And I think it was like the fastest recorded time for a quarterback this year. I mean, that kid could really run. Yeah, he can. He's a, he's a good athlete. Uh, so, you know, quarterbacks are asked to do one thing, and that's lead. And, and you've got to lead by uh, whatever you do, you know, whatever you're within your tool set. You know, he's got a good arm. He's a smart quarterback. He's got great uh, coaching and, and, and mentorship that he's had. Then there's that athleticism part of it. That's the, that's the unknown. How do you use that to your advantage? Um, so, you know, those are things that uh, he'll come to know when, you know, when you have a situation to where you know, he can use his athleticism to, to get some extra yardage and things, it's, 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 it's going to be fun for him to use that and explore that. Um, I think those days, I think the better days for Daniel Jones are, are easily ahead of him here. And uh, I think it's a good time for the Giants. It's refreshing when the guy who called for the fake punt because he was so prepared kind of says the same things that Chris and I do on the podcast. So, Gary, that's really great to hear because we kind of feel the same way. So um, to hear it from you kind of hopefully validates uh, our opinion of Jones and and the future of this team. Um, Gary, I just want to finish up with, you know, anything you want to plug? What are you up to these days? Uh, I'm actually in the healthcare world. So I actually have my own company and I represent some healthcare uh, solutions. And so if you're a large employer uh, and you've got a hundred, 200, 500, 1,000, 10,000 employees, and you're a self-funded health plan, we have some really unique bolt-on solutions, not changing your health care plan, but we can, we can help you add some solutions to, to mitigate high-cost surgical and high-cost specialty drugs and also an overall wellness solution that's literally for a, for a company of 1,000 employees, I have solutions that will today bolt on and save you about $2 million a year. So we help others. That's what our goal is. So I've got a company called Pro Athletes Team, yep. proathletesteam.com, and our goal is to help others succeed, and that's what we do. Excellent. That's great, Gary. Proathletes.com. Proathletesteam.com. Um, that's great. Oh, I'm sorry, Gary. I'm sorry, proathletesteam.com. Yeah, we'll, we'll, tweet, we'll tweet it as well, Gary. We'll tweet that out too, Gary, for you. Um, that's great stuff, brother, what you're doing. Gary, listen. As my late dad used to say about you back in the 80s, that reason is one tough son of a you-know-what. 
Gary, it was a pleasure, brother, rapping with you about the old times, even the current times. Um, I'm glad you, hopefully, you know, you and your family stay safe from the COVID and everything like that. And hopefully we talk to you soon, my man. It was a, it was a pleasure. Yeah, let's do it again, guys. I enjoyed it, and it was fun, and uh, uh, look forward to it uh, next time down the road. Excellent. Thanks, Gary. Take care, guys. Ah, yeah. oh, Chris. That was awesome, man. That was so cool. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't get Gary, old. <laughs> no, it doesn't get old. And Gary gave you some great insight on stuff, right? I mean, <clears throat> that fake punt play, yeah. uh, was strictly his call, you Unreal. know? Unreal. Uh, you know, you got guys, you got a, you got an ego, and you got a head coach as dominant as Bill Parcells in the sideline, and you're the one out there saying, okay, looks good, I'm going to call this, you know? I mean, yeah. wow. In that situation, because you get stopped there, Jerry, it's over. Game's yeah. over. Right. You know? Right. And, and, you know, and the 49ers having 10 guys on the field, and, you know, uh, just, just great stuff. And, you know, I'm talking about the Bobby Humphrey, obviously, the Bobby Humphrey hit and mm-hmm. all that, and, and uh, all the other stuff, the coaching staff and his teammates. So it was good stuff, man. Gary was a really great guest. And and um, he was a pleasure to watch play. He was one tough dude. I meant that at the end, you know. Um, yeah. And he was overshadowed, obviously, by the guy, by the likes of, you know, Lawrence's and Carson at first and obviously Banks and all that. But a really fine football player. Bro. Solid player who really contributed major plays to the history of the franchise, right? Like that Denver hit, he even says, he's like, Giant fans talk about it all the time. The fake punt, which we all remember, like he was a hard-nosed player. He was very good, and and like you said, overshadowed by three guys, right? And, and we always joke like Banks was overshadowed by LT and Carson, <laughs> and they have reasons. Who was who was a a very good middle linebacker? I mean, he made some some huge plays for them. It was just fun listening to his preparation, like the fact that he called that on his own. And dude, I mean. That after that conversation, like I forgot who's playing in the Super Bowl this weekend. Like that, this that's the the thrill. This still is. Like I, I love talking to these these guys. I mean, yeah. these are guys we grew up watching. And yeah, you know, reasons yeah. was was just a part. Of, it was a, a huge part of two Super Bowls. And I like what he said about it's interesting, right? Like Bart Oates, and he said on the podcast, you know, if they play him nine times, that the, the the quote was from Parcells. Times, yeah. Well, we played him ten times, we we win one. And Bart Oates was like, well, that's generous. Gary Reasons looked at it like when I mentioned the 89 season and the, the one that got away for him to say that about the 85 team. That's interesting, man. The different perspectives on that. Absolutely. Like he, Gary was basically saying that, Hey, we should have won that game. We were just as good, if not better. Right. Yep. That's yeah. the impression I got. Yep. Right. Yep. And, and like you said, Oates kind of like gave the impression like, yeah, we won't beat them no matter what, you know? Yeah. And I wonder if so it's int- defense versus offense too. Right. 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 You know, interesting yeah. perspective, you yeah. know, um, both guys, you know, so, yeah, listen, it was good stuff. Um, thank Gary again, you know, yeah. we'll thank him again on Twitter and all that. And um, I hope everybody enjoyed it. I'm sure they did. And, and Jerry, just one last thing, talking about the Reasons interview. I remember you asked me, or, or maybe it wasn't you. I'm sure you did, but I know people on Twitter, hey, what's the most exciting moment, you know, that you've been at, Chris? Or what's the most exciting game you've been at? Whatever it might be, right, Jerry? I mm-hmm. think we've been asked that before in the past. Yeah. And I always said that, right? I always say, well, Jerry... Um, mine was the 86 Redskins game, mm-hmm. the championship game. There yeah. was no feeling like it in that building. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then Gary went into that, right? He was like, oh, the, the feeling was incredible. Remember, he, he, yeah. was, he, was, he was going into it, dude, and, and it brought me back to that night, you yeah. know? Um, and and, and it's, it was an incredible, and, I, and you could tell, like, a, I guess a lot of Pepper talked about that, too, a little bit. I, just an incredible moment for the players, too. Not just us fans in the stands going crazy. Obviously the players felt the same thing, man. 
Yeah, and 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 look, they could they could feel it probably from you guys, right? Like all you guys at the game. Oh, we were going crazy. Trust I me. I mean, you know, to hear him say <laughs> yeah. that, like it's almost like yeah. not that the Super Bowl didn't mean as much, but that was the game that he pointed to and, and mentioned. And you, you watch clips of that, and that was the loudest. It had to be the loudest you've ever heard the stadium. Yeah. I mean, Jay Schrader had no chance to. Yeah, Zero. from the from the pregame introductions to, you know, he he had and he had a, a big hit in that game. Uh, Ricky, yeah. Ricky Sanders wore 46 at the time. He wasn't 83 yet going over yeah. the middle and reasons drilled him. Um, yeah. I was all, also, there was a big hit he had against Otis Anderson in 85. I think it was when he played the Cardinals and Otis yeah. ran right. And then he tried to cut it back and reasons just drilled him. Reasons, man. He had so many, so yeah, many big tough. hits, man. Oh my God. Uh, what a good yeah, tackler. He was, he was one tough hombre boy. He really was. So. Unreal. Fun. That was fun. Yeah. So, uh, Hey, Jerry, I guess it's the Super Bowl time, right? I mean, uh, Chiefs and yeah. Tom Brady, uh, where are you leaning, bro? Where you, what do you think? I'm going back and forth with this, bro. i got to be honest with you. Where, uh, where are you leaning on this? I'm rooting for the Bucks because I'd like to see Bruce Arians win one. Um, I think Tom Brady winning another. It doesn't. He, I don't get sick of greatness. I don't get sick of Tom Brady. He's yeah, just a what? great quarterback, great. right? Like, yeah. I think it helps Eli's legacy a bit if he wins. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know, I... I, I I get why people get tired of teams winning, but he's on a new to do it with another team would be so impressive. But I just think the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are going to win. I, I, I don't. Right. I, I think Mahomes and Reed are just too much. And I know that the the Chiefs are going to have issues with protecting Mahomes. That wouldn't surprise me if the Bucks won. But I, I just, I, it, I just don't see the Chiefs losing this game. Yeah, I tell you, man, I go back and forth. I'm right now. I'm leaning. I was leaning Chiefs the first week. Second week, I'm leaning Bucks. I don't know. Yeah, it's good, weird, man. But, yeah, I hope you're right. You know, I I think JPP haunts Brady again. Yeah. Um, and I think they're gonna be. I think they're gonna make a. I just think they're gonna make enough a few plays on defense because of those tackles being out. That maybe they do some things on Mahomes and get to him enough. And uh, right now, I'm leaning Brady and the Bucks. Um, in like a field goal type game, a six point type game. That's that's what it is right now. I'll probably change my mind in about forty eight hours, but that's what I'm leaning at right now. So we'll see. This it should be something, you know. Um, yeah, I hope you're right. Game. I hope you're right. And I, I just want it to be competitive, and I, I think it will be. Um, I'm I'm pulling for the Bucks. I'd love to see Bruce Arians win one, and and Brady's just you know, come on. <laughs> yeah. I, I, how do you not call him the greatest of all time at, at this point? I mean, guy's gonna play till he's. 60 years old. I don't know. Yeah, and that avocado yeah. ice cream is. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, it should be a good game. Yeah. Yeah. Should be enjoyable. So um, we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm thinking like a 34, 27 buck win. That's what I'm going to go at right now. So be nice. Um, yeah. We'll see what happens. So anything else going on? I mean, that's about it. All quiet on the Giants front. If anybody thinks the Giants are going to be interested in Deshaun Watson, we'll say it again. The Giants love Daniel Jones. They're moving yeah. forward with Daniel Jones. Why is that? Okay. Why won't, why won't that die? Uh, I had somebody tell me again yesterday. The Giants love Daniel, love him. So you yeah, know, I um, mean, it's the it's the it's the ridiculous rumor that that won't go away. Like I just I don't. I, it's not going to happen. Like you said, aside from giving up way too much, they love Daniel Jones. They're going to make this yeah, work. Yeah. I, I could see if if Gettleman was gone, then I could see maybe something happening. Maybe, but even then, you're going to give up so much to get him. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I again, guys. I like Deshaun Watson. I just don't see the point in bringing him to a team with no weapons because then you have the Houston Texans. It's the same thing. So whatever. And here's the thing too, Jerry. If Gettleman stepped down tomorrow, says that's it, I'm done. I'm going to Cape Cod. I'm done with this whole crap. I'm finished. Joe Joe Judge loves Jones. Yeah, right. Good point. 
That's a fact. Yeah. Trust me on this. So you, you know, I think you, you know, we've talked about it before. Yeah. I know it for a fact. Yeah. I mean, I know people might not want to like to hear that, and they say, "Oh no, he's never going to be good." And I'm sorry. You know, that's your opinion. Everybody's entitled to. It. I'm just telling you a fact that. Yeah. Joe Jones. Joe Judge loves Daniel Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Loves him. Yep. John Mar- loves him the ownership loves him. I mean, the organization loves him. So. I know. I know for a fact. Mara loves him. Right. That, now, listen, Mara could love him all he wants. If Judge is like, we can't go with this guy, they would move in another direction. But Joe Judge loves him. Yep. You know? Yeah. And he loves him going into the 2021 season. Now, we'll talk this time next year going into the 2022 season. Might be a different story. But I'm just telling you, going into next season, Jones is their guy and Judge loves him. So. All right. Good stuff. Uh, and and I'm, I'm still on a high from interviewing Gary Reasons. Any, anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> no, that's it, everybody. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll talk next week. I guess we'll talk about the Super Bowl, and we'll be lining up a few more guests. Yep. Uh, I think people really seem to really, uh, excuse me, people seem to really love these 80s Giants and 90s Giants, you know? Yep, absolutely. We'll try to get, you know, we'll try to get a couple of current Giants on that just played, uh, and uh, we'll take it from there. It should be fun. Good stuff, man. All right, everybody, to order a subscription to The Giant Insider, go to www.thegiantinsider.com. Go to magster.com for a digital subscription, M-A-G-Z-T-E-R. And download The Giant Insider app from the App Store. All right, guys, have fun at the Super Bowl. Everybody be safe. And remember, Sundays are Giant Days. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.